0: Hey, gang. So, uh, we're going to take a look at the 1st uh, John, chapter 2, and we're going to look at the uh, verses 12 through 14. Now, before we uh, do that, let's just quickly review. Uh, we had looked at 1st John, uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 3 through 11, where we looked at our conduct as Christians and what that looks like, remember? And John talked about keeping his commandments, right? okay. And he also talked about walking in light rather than walking in darkness. This was this whole thing that uh, Michael was doing in the prior verses. Okay, now he's going. John is going to talk about our conduct and how it should lead us to see the world. Okay, and we'll call this um, worldview the separatist view. Okay, so let's go ahead and now read now our verses we're going to study today. First, John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, but I'm going to read all the way to the end, to 17, just so we have some context to all of this, okay? Michael's going to take uh, verses 15 through 17 himself next time, but I want to hit that in the context of what we're reading so we see the whole thing, okay? So let's take a look at this. So First John chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 12, says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you For his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have over, overcome the evil one. Verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever, okay? So there it is. That's what we're going to look at. So now let's go back and unpack these you know, 12 through 14 real quickly here, okay? Let's take a look at this. Now, what I want you to take a look at is there's actually this sort of structural thing going on in the verses. There's this pattern, okay? He says, I'm writing to you. Okay so he first starts saying and he writes to three groups of people. He talks, I'm writing to you little children. I'm writing to you fathers and I'm writing to you young men. Then he says he says I write to you. Actually what you're if you look if you're reading from a new american standard version it's usually it says I have written to you. It really should say I write to you. The reason this is just a little little minor quirk. But it's a tense in Greek we don't have in English, okay? Um, It's basically the tense is... Uh, I write to you, and I will continue to write to you. In other words, it's now and continuing to do something. It's a tense, like I said, that we don't have in English, uh, but it is in Greek. So uh, instead of saying, I have written to you, it would be better to say, I write to you, because I write to you now, and I will write to you continuously. That's, in a sense, what it means in the Greek. Just a little little detail, but just trying to, to clear that up. So we have this pattern. I am writing to you. I write to you, okay? I'm writing you, I write to you. Then there's the three groups, children, fathers, young men. Who is John talking about? Now, this is interesting. Some will say that John is referring to different levels of spiritual maturity, which, to be fair, makes some sense, right? I mean, you can think of the child, the the new believer, uh, the young man sort of in the middle, and then the father, the mature believer. And In a sense, that makes sense. Um, But part of the problem with saying that, of course, is that John actually refers to all believers as children. It's his little Johnism, if you will, uh, throughout his writing. He calls the the believers children. So that's probably not what's in view there. Um, Another thing is that some people will say, well, this represents stages in the believer's walk. Um, that's again, that's sort of over allegorizing, if you will, in a sense, what seems to be the natural just context of what he's saying. He says, whatever he's doing, however he's doing this, whatever's going on, what seems to be most relevant is this describes all believers, right? The things that he's talking about with these three groups he's talking about represents all believers, right? Or at least it should. Okay, so regardless of the other aspects, the main thing to take away from this as we look at it is, remember, this is he's talking about all of us, all who are followers in Christ. Okay, so what does he say? He says, now, what does he say to the children? He says, he says, your sins have, he says right here at the beginning, he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven uh, you for his name's sake. Okay, your sins have been forgiven you. This is pointing back to John. what John was saying back in chapter 1, starting with verse 8. Remember, he says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And if we say that we have not sinned, we may come a liar, etc. And then in verse 9, he gets, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. Okay? Our sins have been forgiven, not for our sake, but for his name's sake. Okay, that's important. And then he says, he says this also, right? He says, I write to you, this is at the end of verse 13, I write to you, children, because you, what? Know the Father. Okay, so your sins have been forgiven you. That's true if, uh, if you're a Christian. Your names have been, your sins have been forgiven, and you know the Father. This again points back to what John was saying in chapter 2. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. You see, we know the Father because we keep his commandments. And he also says in verse 6, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. This is, these are indicators that we know the Father and that our allegiance is with Christ, okay? This is what he's pointing out here. Now, that's with the children. With the fathers, he writes this. He says, look at this. Verse 13 says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him, all right, there it is again, and who has been from the beginning, who has been from the beginning, okay? Who has been from, see, Jesus is eternal God. He is creator God. This is what he said right in the beginning of his letter here. He says what was from the beginning what we have heard what we have seen with our eyes. This is 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 What we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life from the beginning. But it's even more than that. This is an eternal eternal consideration. Pop over to John's Gospel. Okay. Go to John's Gospel, chapter 1. And starting with verse 1. Look what he says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him. Nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, right? And the world did not know him, okay? Speaking of Jesus, verse 11, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, the Jews. Verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And it goes on. So when he says from who is from the beginning, okay, this is not only the beginning from when they they heard about this and and have looked and touched with our own hands. When he speaks in the beginning of this, he's talking about the the eternal nature of Christ. Jesus is God. He is creator God. He's eternal. Okay. Going back to 1 John again. Okay. So he says that about the fathers, right? Uh, and he says again. He says the same thing twice. He says, I'm, "I write to you, fathers, who has been from the beginning." Okay. He says the same thing both times. Now he brings up the third group of people, the young men. Okay. What's he write? Okay. He says, "I." He says, "Young men." He says, "I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one." And then the second time he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And look, the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. This is mission critical information. This is major intel. He's saying, studying and following God's word and making disciples, we are beating the powers of darkness back into the hole they came from. Okay? That's what he's getting at. By studying the Word of God, we are beating them. That's our weapon, our offensive weapon. That's what Paul means when he speaks of in Ephesians 6, when he says, our battle, the Christian's battle, is not with flesh and blood. And he goes on to describe um, putting on the full arm of God, talking uh, about the Word of God through the use of military terminology, if you will. So, this is what he's getting at when he says, you have overcome the evil one. Okay, so these are the things that he uses. And this is, again, like I said, all of these things that we're looking at, these attributes, are true of all Christians and should be true of all Christians. And as we mature, these, these attributes become stronger, become larger, become more critical for us and become more important to us in terms of our how we see them. So... So here's the here's the, how this whole thing leads into the next, which Michael will take next time. He's saying basically this in walk by walking in the same manner as Jesus walked. Okay, going look like again going back to verse six. Remember, look in ver, chapter two, verse six. He says, "The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he Jesus walked." Okay, so by walking in the same manner as Jesus walked, follows. That then, if if we're doing that, then what follows is that we won't love the world or the things in the world, which is what he takes up, starting in verse 15. This is what he's doing. In 12 to 14, he's basically, or actually, this whole chapter 2, he's leading up to this thing about having the separatist view, right? That kind of worldview. And if we're walking in the same manner as he walked, then what will follow is we won't love the world or the things of the world. Make sense? All right, great. Um, So Michael, pick up those next verses and uh, hope this was helpful. And have a blessed day and uh, talk to you later. Bye-bye.